This is a trigger warning. The content on today's show will include themes of mental health, depression, suicide, and anxiety. So please keep that in mind before continuing watching the show. Salafalava and welcome to our Pacific Morning Show. Great to have you back. Uh, thank you for tuning in as usual. And we are excited for today's show. How are you today, Ben Ryan? Um, you know what? I really had to dress up in something bright again this morning just to, um, you know, give off that warm vibe this morning. But yeah. I'm, mm. I'm actually been feeling good. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm feeling the warm vibe from your bright clothes. We're Me too. Good. I feeling really good. love the colours on that dress. You should wear it more <laughs> often. I know. I think it, this might be the dress that I will wear every single day. <laughs> Let's get straight into it. So our talk of the day. So Mm. over the weekend, I actually read through a study which really gave us, uh, gave me a bit of insight on how Pacifica communities are currently engaging with mental health institutions Mm. and how they're accessing those services. So um, this study investigated the barriers and supports for Pacifica accessing and using mental health services. Uh, There were 25 Pacifica people who participated in that study. Um, They used the Talanoa approach uh, to guide the data collection process. And um, according to that study, the barriers Pacifica people faced included stigma regarding mental health problems, commitment to finding solutions within the family, and also mistrust and lack of knowledge of services. Um, You know, uh, within the services, non-Pacifica providers, uh, they lacked the understanding of Pacific cultures um, and their values, their practices, and even their spiritual beliefs. And because of this, it was hard to connect, hard Mm. for Pacific people to connect with those um, mental health providers. Um, It also showed that uh, Pacifica people were more likely to use services if the the provider was respect respectful of Pacifica practices, yeah. and they paid attention um, to developing relationships in a culturally um, appropriate way. Mm-hmm. And an example of that would be involving the family, mm-hmm. so not just taking them out individually, but instead having you know support people there and um, other ways like that. So. Um, this really showed um, that there needed to be a greater understanding and respect for cultural competency mm. um, in the mental health industry. And um, psychoeducation for Pacifica about mental health services is strongly desirable. Yeah. So um, I really like the study because it gave us an insight of how we currently engage, you know, with the backgrounds that we're from. Yeah. And it really shows that there needs to be a lot of work yeah. um, done in this industry. And I know I know things don't happen overnight, but mm. um, it's really something that we should pay attention to. Yeah, definitely. Like I, I understand and I, I've seen a lot of work and the efforts uh, that um, the government and also smaller organisations, um, you know, have put into addressing, uh, you know, mental health um, and the well-being of our Pacifica community. But, you know, it's not a like you like you mentioned, eh, Hannah. It's not an overnight fix, and it's still like an evolving thing, and we're still trying to get used to it. We're still trying to. Um, it, it's such a taboo subject, mm. and or t- 
topic to talk about. But, you know, we're talking about overcoming barriers and, you know, we've seen that there's uh, links to help us. But I also wanted to bring up um, the studies that's also found that um, Pacifica experiences um, with mental health, it's there's a relation to poor health. And poor health is a massive contribution uh, to mental. And, you know, it's poor diet. Um, you know, the lifestyles and its behaviour. So according to studies, you know, there's just no cure to depression. Mm. And, you know, I think that if we just focus on, and, and this is why my talk of the day, sorry, is um, how we can recover and continue to live a long and healthy life um, the, with natural remedies and just things that we can do every day, like um, that we can exercise in yeah. our daily you know, routines, which yeah. is, um, first of all, understanding. Mm-hmm. Read. And we're not saying to go read the whole book. We're just saying read parts of what it is about mental health that is going to, you know, so you've got a better understanding. Mm. Um, exercise. 15 to 30 minutes walk every single day or just a 15 to 30 minute walk mm. twice or three times a week. Healthy eating, you know, this is the big contributor. Yeah. It's, yeah. you know, and I think um, we're surrounded by, you know, fast food outlets. But mm. I think it's really important to watch what you eat. Plenty of water. Mm. Um, and the simple routine. And, and we're not saying to change everything that yeah. you're doing in life. No, we're just simply saying, wake up. Do your bed. Mm. Just focus mm. on one thing at a time. And I think it's really important to get into a routine. And people, as soon as they say routine, they map up the whole day or the whole month. Yeah. Focus on one thing. The small things. The right? small things. Yeah. And definitely reduce of alcohol. And and don't dwell on on your problems. You know things that you cannot control. And also. Uh, your vitamins, you know, you've mm. got your vitamin Cs, um, you know, the the omega, um, you know, factor into it. And it's just simple, like having oranges, you know, check out um, the links that we will share because it's important, like fruits. There's a lot more to depression than, um, than we think, mm. you know, and it actually is um, a serious medical condition. So please... Although the natural remedies are great, this is just a few tips on how to overcome it if you're not uh, a big fan of going straight into, yeah. um, you mm. know, seeking advice. But I strongly suggest please seek uh, mm. medical and professional yeah. help. Yeah. I, I really appreciate you saying that. And I, <laughs> I do want to highlight um, the importance of a routine, mm. especially for someone who might be feeling lost. Yeah. A routine is a good way to find your way back yeah. to being found. Yeah. And… I know that when you, if you do have trouble establishing a routine, um, one thing I know is that if you try and do something consistently for a month, mm. then it'll become a habit mm. and it won't be as hard to do yep. that thing anymore. Yeah. Um, so, no, I really appreciate And also, what you were saying about um, the fast foods mm. that our people are eating. Um, we do, and like this, this we we did talk about this on a on a previous episode with Lorenzo Caesara about the obesity pandemic um, among the Pacific, and it's interesting to see 
if that there are high levels of mental health um, mm. issues on our community at the same time as having high levels of obesity. Mm. And you got to think maybe there's a link. Maybe yep. one feeds the other. Maybe the other way around. Yeah. Um, but for my topic of conversation today, I wanted to talk about two uh, disorders that a lot of our people experience. Mm. And I know a lot of our people sometimes think that this is just… It's not that bad. Yeah. Like they're just worried or they're just sad. Like, but there could be deep-rooted issues. Mm. Now I wanted to talk about anxiety and depression. Um, and it's I want yeah, I wanted to shed light on these two aspects because if there's anybody watching that might be feeling a bit confused about how they're feeling or what they're going through, this might allow them to kind of put a name to it. Yeah. to recognize it and then have a way to address it. Now, I read a report, the Te Kavenga report on the mental health and well-being of Pacific people. Mm. And they they pretty much reported on the results of the New Zealand Mental Health Monitor. I think mm. this was in 2018. Right. Um, and they they found that 3% of, 3% of Pacific peoples experienced severe anxiety and 4% of Pacific people experienced severe depressive symptoms. Now, I also wanted to note that when it comes to moderate anxiety, 4 out of 10 Pacific people and mild anxiety, 1 out of 5. Now, that's a lot of people. Mm. One, the numbers seem small, but if you put it into a larger context, exactly. that's a lot of people. Mm. For depression, 1 out of 10 people experience moderate depression. And again, 1 out of 5 experience mild depression. Mm. Now, the this data that they use in the report is all self-reported. Yeah. So this is all people that have actually decided, I'm going to go and yeah. fill something out mm. and report that I'm feeling this kind of way. Yeah. Imagine all the undiscovered. Exactly. I, I can tell you right now that there's a lot more people that are suffering through this mm. without knowing exactly what they're going through mm. and having their families or their friends not understand why they, why they may be behaving like they are. Yeah. Um, and so I wanted to to share it. I wanted to share it. So the way that these this report got their data on got this data was through two things, two questionnaires. Mm. So one was a general anxiety scale, which was the GAD seven, and it's seven questions that kind of are about anxiety. Mm. Like, and I can give you an example right now. Over the last two weeks, how often have you been feeling nervous, anxious, or on edge? Mm. And the answers given is not at all, several days, over half the days, or nearly every day. Yeah. And the higher you score in these questionnaires, the kind of more severe you might be experiencing anxiety. Mm. And that's the same with the uh, patient health questionnaire for depression, which is nine yeah. questions. Mm. And it's the same thing. I can, I'll, I'll link these questionnaires down below just in case you want to give it a try and see where you come with that. Mm. Now, these questionnaires aren't clinical advice. Yeah. I want to stress that it's not professional yeah. doctor, like uh, it's not a professional doctor diagnosing you. Yeah. However, it's a simple guide that you can use in case you're feeling a bit confused mm. and you don't you you want to know what you might be experiencing. And when you do complete these questionnaires, it does provide some resources for you to go into. Yeah. If you if you if it finds that you have a severe case of anxiety, it provides a resource to go and call a professional, yeah. a, a clinical professional. So yeah, so I just wanted to to highlight this and mm. highlight 
these questionnaires so that our people can kind of better get to know themselves yeah, and better yeah. um, understand what they might be going through. Um, mm. I also just wanted to note on that study um, that they found that people were that people who were of mixed Pacific heritage mm. and um, with non-Pacific heritage were more likely to experience mental disorders than those of sole Pacific heritage. Mm. I thought that was just an interesting tidbit that mm. I could bring out from that um, yeah. from the report. That's super interesting. Yeah. And I know um, before the show started, me and Beth did do that test. Yeah. <laughs> um, we won't be sharing our results, but it was very helpful. Yeah. Right. Now, mm. uh, you know, I think for myself, um, you know, we share a lot. But when you sit down and it's, and it's a really, it's a, it's a very short questionnaire, but it actually makes you think about your week. Mm. Like, you know, you're like thinking, shucks. It, it, you stop and you focus. Okay. And reading it, as opposed to listening to audio, it's and watching, it's it's different as well. And I think sometimes we just it needs to be highlighted in yeah. front of you. Yeah. And those seven all those simple questions actually prompt you mm. to check up on yourself. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And also like that stat that you just shared that um people who have multiple yeah, yeah, mixed um, heritage, mixed heritage yeah. um have it more than people with mm. Singular? What that mean? Yeah, like soul Pacific. Soul Pacific. Pacific. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the word. Yeah. Sorry, mind my, my vocab. That's very interesting. Yeah, and like um, you know, that brings to mind identity politics yes. and how important identity is. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's a a lot to think about, really. Mm. But I have our quote of the day, which is in relation to our topic, um, and that quote is: "Just because no one else can heal or do the inner work for you, doesn't mean you have to do it alone." And I chose this one because I thought it was important. You know, a lot of the times um, in Pacific cultures, we often feel like we don't want to be a burden to yeah. our families. Mm -hmm. And so we would rather t um, face it on our own mm. than bring it up. Because oftentimes, um, you know, a lot of people are told, get over it. Mm. Oh, toughen up. There's people going through worse yeah. or we have so many problems. We don't need that right now. Like yeah. we often get told that. And then, you know, um, if you have mental health issues, you go away thinking, oh, I'm always a problem. Like you're mm. blaming yourself mm. while you're in that state. And I just feel like um, we don't have to be that way. Like yeah. we can extend empathy to people who admit that they have mental health. Mm. Um, they're suffering with something, whether it be anxiety mm. and depression. And you don't have to do it alone. Yeah. Like… In the reality, a lot of the hard work will be done alone, mm. but it doesn't mean we have to be an idiot and go out of our mm. way and say, do it yourself. That's your own yeah. problems. Like, fix it. We can show empathy to mm. our friends and family yeah. if needed. Mm. I'm not, I, I love that quote, you know, um, definitely like I think we've all experienced at some stage that we do need to extend um, or we need an extension to help us. And, you know, there's always so much fear that we often put up the barriers and past experience affect our judgment. And it's like, I, for me, I, I have major trust issues, you know, and so automatically I don't want anyone in. You know, I don't want to, where I used to be quite open with everything, I put the barriers up and I think we need to kind of like, look back and kind of like these things happen but it's so important to share to a trusted person yeah. how you're feeling because I think you know uh, earlier on this morning as well I discussed with someone who's so close to me about how you know 
the tension, it's a tension of um, someone who we love so dearly that it's caused them to age a lot quicker mm. and you can see it physically mm. because we kind of thought, man, they've kept bottling up everything and it's here they yeah. carry that weight. And even though it's not heavy, it's heavy if mm. that makes sense. So yeah. you're carrying it here um, at the back of your head and then your temple, it's kind of like, you know, and these, this, is, this is the result and we need, to really stop that we need to kind of like, hang on. Um, you know, and also someone else shared to me is um, don't try to be perfect. Show them where it hurts the most so that they know where to love you the most, mm. you know, and just trust your main, you know, um, I think all they want to do is to love you the way you deserve. So mm. that was shared to me by someone um, dear to me. And I'm just kind of like, you know, it really took me and I thought this quote was perfect for it, you know, yeah. but yeah, share. Yeah. And I can, I can see how hard it is mm. for our people to share because the stigma is real. The yeah. stigma of mental health really can hold us back from acknowledging that we have a problem in the first place. Mm. So people avoid it. And with the rhetoric around uh, being strong and hardening up, like that is the most unhelpful advice you could give to mm. anybody. Mm. Um, and I want to highlight this, especially for our PI men, mm. because I don't know toxic masculinity. It's it's it seems like our men are held to a standard where we have to be hard. Yeah, we have yeah. to be strong. Yeah. We have to be flawless. Mm. Um, we have to be unwithering yeah. in our lives and we don't want to talk and we ha we hold each other to the standard yeah. and it's and it's it's really bad i am glad though that there is a growing culture of people that are talking about um mm. mental health mm. and opening absolutely like we got the podcast mandate yeah. i really like that yeah. they've created yeah. that space for men and also for the boys podcast mm. that do they often discuss these kind of things so mm. it's really good to see that space kind of like grow yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. and like those conversations need to be constant they mm. need to be present everywhere yeah. like it's nice to have them in a podcast mm. but if you could have it at the workplace yeah. if you could have it uh, in the kalapu you could just have yeah. these conversations mm. all the time mm. and make sure that people are expressing how they're feeling inside now and today we have a really um, special guest coming in the next segment yeah. um, we have Isoa Kawakimoto he's a digital media specialist influencer and mental health advocate and he's going to join us to talk about his journey with mental health and then a wider discussion about mental health We are focused on providing digital solutions for our Pacific people. With a creative team that incorporates Pacifica values and cultures, there are no limitations. We offer a variety of digital media solutions that cater to Pacific peoples. With over 10 years experience in graphic design and photography, we take pride in creating art with a Pacific focus. 
We also specialize in filming, editing, and live streaming. A digital media company serving our Basifika families, Basifika businesses, and Basifika communities. Blue Wave Ngalumuana. Live and breathe Pacific. Kia and welcome back to the Pacific Morning Show. We are very excited to be here with you, Soa. How are you today? Yes. <laughs> uh, I'm good, thanks. Um, happy to be here. We yeah. really appreciate you coming and um, giving up your time to spend time with us to have a bit of a discussion mm. about such a deep topic. Yeah. Um, today, we're going to be, we are, as you know, we are talking about mental health. And I wanted, we wanted to look at it in a, in the lens of mental health in Pacific communities. Mm. Now, it's not often a an important subject, and a lot of a lot of people say that it's a Balangi disease, mm. that it's not something that Pacific people go through. But the reality is, it is. Yeah, yeah. And um, I wanted to share an experience. Mm. Uh, I'm not going to share any names, but uh, there was a 16 year old boy who committed suicide yeah. at a school. And um, when he passed away, his parents went through his phone mm. and found a burner page that he had on Instagram. Mm. And um, this burner page shared very sensitive content. Mm. Um, he shared images of him with self-harm. He also shared paragraphs of the experiences he was facing mm. that really hurt him. There were six people following that burner page. Yeah. It was a private page. And so the family and the police questioned the six people that were following, who were also students of the same school, and asked, why didn't you guys tell someone about this? Mm. And all those students came back and literally said, you don't. You don't do that. It's a lot of youth do it. Um, it's normal. But it's just you're just there to kind of validate or kind of show that you've seen what mm. they're going through. But you're not supposed to like give them advice or say, hey, I'm here to talk to you because you get blocked that way. Mm. <coughs> so this is like, this is where we are right now. Mm. And they are of Pacifica descent, which is, um, you know, I have no opinion on it, but it is very telling mm. of the fact that uh, youth are finding it hard to find people to confide in. Yeah. And now they're on very unsafe spaces. Social yeah. media, the worst. Social media. Mm. I mean, like, you know, going off um, what Ryan said, you know, hand on heart, mental health just, it, mental health doesn't discriminate. And, you know, listening to you, the experience that you've shared, Hannah, I think as a mother to a teenager, man, I, you know, I'm concerned. Mm. You know, I really am concerned about my babies. And, you know, this is why mental health um, discussions, it shouldn't be taboo in our bus speaker communities. And, you know, and, you know, with the conversations and the statistics around mental health, you know, we can really see that there's a disconnection, disconnection, sorry, within our bus speaker families. You know, when, when it comes to making mental health um, a safe topic to talk about, you know, I'm guilty, you know, mm -hmm. and I've lived through it. But, 
you know, we shouldn't and our kids shouldn't. But you saw, like, what are your thoughts about that, you know, um, when it comes to making mental health a safe topic to talk about? Mm. Um, well, making, making mental health a safe topic to talk about, well, you know, should open all the trigger warning. Yeah. Yeah. Get hairy. Mm. Um, yeah, but trying to remove that stigma that, you know, because instantly you hear, like, the first thing you hear, like, from especially from people who haven't experienced it the way you have, oh, it's all in your head. Mm. Oh, harden up. Mm. You know, like, that's the typical thing that, you know, we resort to. Uh, that's the male response, really. Yeah. Like, you know, um, and that's why I was so happy that, like, you know, all black icons like John Kerwin came out and was public yeah. with his own struggles with depression. Um, you know, doing your best to remove that stigma is, um, you know, trying your best to open up a box, you know, that you're still not really comfortable with opening up is hard, mm. especially if you haven't processed it. I, myself, personally, I'm still not 100%. Yeah. Uh, what is it? Earlier the like, yeah, earlier this week, I was. Me and my therapist do this thing where we check it. Sorry, I'm like jumbled mess. Me and my therapist do this thing that this tool that she gave me is like out of ten, how are you feeling? One being not good, ten, how are you? If I could characterize how I was doing this earlier this week, I was at about a three, which is not good. Mm -hmm. I've been to points where I've been like a negative one. Mm. dangerously close mm. um and then yeah after today after yesterday i was at like a nine like, i felt nice. great you know mm. um but you know trying to create safe spaces opening up about mental health um is hard because it's such a wide spectrum mm -hmm. you know different yeah. people process things differently yeah. and you know the way I might, you know, handle a situation won't be necessarily the way Hannah, yeah. you know, processes a situation. Um, and I think that, like, you know, going back, tying back to what um, Hannah had shared earlier about, um, you know, about that kid who had sadly taken their own life. Um, you know, when you're that age, you don't know. Yeah. You're young. Yeah. Mm. Um, you know, I'll, social media is the worst place to be on yeah. mm. when it comes to that sort of stuff. And which is weird coming from me because I'm so open with it on social media. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> yeah. Um, because, yeah, when you're that age and especially for like the cops and the parents and all mm. that, they're like going, hey, why didn't you tell anyone? Yeah. Because mm. there's no trust. Yeah. yeah. We don't trust you. You know, because inst instantly, as soon as you, like, tell a parent or you tell someone who's, like, an authority. Yeah. You know, when you're that age. Even, like, school teachers. Yeah, yeah. school teachers. A lot of times, they won't come down to the yes. level of the kid, yeah. which is what you need to do. You need to come down to that level. Remove all your hats, your professional hats and all that, and just be like, what's wrong? Mm. Let's go for feed. Mm. Let's go catch up. And you don't even have to talk about, you know, you don't even have to be like, what's wrong? You just have to be like, you know, what are you, 
you know, find out what they're into. Oh, what do you like? Oh, I like Marvel movies. Yeah. You want to go watch Black Panther? Oh, I like, you know. I love that. Yeah, I like this. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be about, and because it's like, for for lack of a better analogy, you know, Shrek, you know, mm. augurs were like onions. You got to like mm. peel back those layers mm. and they'll slowly open up, but you have to be patient, mm, yeah. you know, and... Yeah, man. I wish, <laughs> I you know, I wish someone was just there to be like, you know, for for, for that young person just to be like, here's a you know, here's a safe way we could, you know, try to process what you're going through, or not even that, um, you know, just be like, you want to hang out, you know, I'm here, mm. and I'm and I'm guilty of not necessarily being the best person to be there for people and all that sort of stuff. But, mm. yeah, it's, uh, yeah, but it's also tricky as well because when you're that age, you yeah. don't know. Yeah. And putting all that pressure on those kids to be like, you know, as soon as you ask, why didn't you tell anyone? Yeah. Automatically to them, they're like, oh, they're blaming me. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so, like, it's... It's just a breakdown and like communication and stuff like that, but it's unfortunate that it cost a life. Yeah. Um, yeah. But just on my end, what do I do to deal with like my mental health struggles and man, that plane is a uh, pretty annoying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and what do I do? Um, so like when the pandemic started, I started working out. Mm. Exercise, like, really helps, uh, which is, like, I'm on a weird spectrum. Like, I put on weight that I had lost, and, like, now I'm back on the bandwagon after mm. some injuries. But um, another thing, uh, I see a therapist once a week. Mm. So, like, yeah, my Tuesday is, like, anyone, if anyone, like, books in a meeting with me on a Tuesday, and I'm, like, Oh yeah, no, nah, I have therapy. I do not move that mm -hmm. at yeah. all. Um, unless it's like really exceptional circumstances. Um and I every Wednesday I co-host this uh, men's group, mm. uh a men's quarter group for work. Um, where for an hour, like we literally only have two rules there. It's no judgment, no advice. Um and, you know, these guys come through and we just sit there, we eat, we talk. So I'll be like, you know, I'll bring up a topic or one of the guys bring up a topic and we just discuss that for an hour. Mm. And, um, yeah, and, you know, that's that's a good safe space for men. Mm. There's also a women's group that, that our work runs. Um, so, yeah, like, you know, we host these little spaces, but, like, you know, it's kind of hard trying to reach out to people and be like, you know, because... A lot of times, unless you want the help, you know, the help yeah. can't help you, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, which is sad, but it's the truth. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I feel like I'm talking too much. So <laughs> no, I'm just gonna... nah. You're not talking. I think you've shared a lot of valuable yeah. things. Like mm. the first thing I'd mention is how you said to how to respond to someone going through it. Yeah. Um, just take them out for lunch. What are you into? What are your hobbies? What games are you into? That we can do, mm. you know what I mean, with with people around us. And I really like the um, two rules that you have for mm, your yes. workshop. Yeah. Um, no advice and no judgment, right? Mm. I think that's perfect. And like, you know how you said it was hard to 
even measure or find a solution for how to make spaces safe. Because um, when you're in that mindset, damn it, the thought left my mind. But when you're in that mindset, you yeah, you won't accept help until you realize, yeah. holy crap, I need help. Mm-hmm. So you kind of don't need someone telling you logical things. Mm-hmm. You just want someone to like to listen to really yeah. and be there for you and validate the things that need to be validated. Mm-hmm. Like I matter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But this is just me sharing my experience. This is not a reflection of anyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was dealing with um, anxiety, high anxiety, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you just wanted those simple things validated yeah. that we all need as a human. Like, you know, when mm-hmm. you're a baby, you want to be cared for, hugged, loved and everything. We also need those things as adults. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I do like the, how you highlighted um, that just being there. And I think coming down to the level to meet your child, to meet um, someone at their age. Because I think a lot of our Basifika um, parents automatically, it's just, they're so programmed. What happened? And, you know, just they just snap. Mm. And I don't think it's intentional. I just mm. think it's just a way of showing that that's love. But I think we need to really focus on moving away from that because I think that's, and this is just my personal opinion, please, you know, I think that's where that damaged connection comes in mm. to play. And I think we, for so long, we overthink it. Mm. And you just hit it and you just reminded me and I think it's so important that we keep reminding because I'm a mom and that's mm. all I do. Mm. Nag. I'm like, why didn't you do this? Okay, you know that's not a joke. You know, and instead of attacking that situation with my daughter recently when they had played a joke and a girl cried and, and had made a complaint about it, and, I, and, and, you know, I automatically attacked her, you know, and, you know, just used my mum authority and, you know, not even thinking about how could that help, what the situation is about, like, hey, explain to me what happened. But instead I was like, why'd you do that? Da, 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 da. Mm. So it's, it's nice to hear that from someone else, a reminder that we do need to come down to that level because times have changed. Mm. Yeah. So thanks for that, honestly. Oh, happy to be annoying. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, what is it? Because, um, oh man, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> I started thinking about Tosa, I'm off or something. <laughs> um, yeah, well, what is it? Like, as parents, like, you're automatically programmed to fix yeah. my kid's crying. I need to soothe my kid. Mm. You know, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a parent in mm. any way, but like, you know, you're, you, you know, and, and that's what I say to our guys and our men's quarter group. Um, you know, I say, guys, like, I know, like, we're just programmed to fix things. But sometimes you don't need to be fixed. Mm. Sometimes you already know what's wrong, but you just need an outlet. Mm. Mm. You know, and that's where a lot of like, you know, the creatives, they put all of their pain mm. into their art, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, a lot of our sportsmen, like, you know, they put all like everything that they like, they're feeling, all the crappy feelings, the pressure. is all out there on the field, mm. you know. It's hard, you know, trying to find ways to express your pain and like, you know, but different things work for different people. yeah. Um, yeah. You know, there's like art therapy, there's music therapy, there's sports therapy, there's, you know, but for our people, you know, mental health. You know, the reason why everyone's like, oh, mental health is not an island thing, because we're powered through connection. Mm. Mm. 
you know, and I know that, like, the word talano is like, oh, it's overused yeah. in all these Brazilian <laughs> circles. Roll up the follow and talk. He's, call he's calling me out. You know, the <laughs> 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 you know, you know, all that stuff. Um, but it's true. Mm. Like, I'll just use, not to make this a Tongan thing. Because, but to make it a Tongan thing. Because <laughs> I'm someone. As of last Thursday, I'm someone. Um, but like, you know, our ancestors, like, they're driven through connection, you know? Faikava, the sacred circle, you know? Our, like, our men sit there, you know, and and in recent times, like, the negative connotations of, like, you know, oh, men only go there to play up on their wives and it takes time away from their families. They go there and connect. Mm-hmm. I could learn more sitting in a gava circle, listening to stories, Music, jokes, and different opinions and stuff like that. History. I could learn more sitting there than going to a freaking, like, uni lecture. Yeah. You know? Because you're sitting there, you know, at a lecture, you're just getting one guy and all these different things filtered through his lens or their lens. Mm -hmm. Right? But you go to a kalapu, you've got a multitude Mm. of different knowledge banks being shared. And it's encouraged in the Faikawa, you know? And women's groups, there's like the Kokaanga, you know, where they're making Tangato, you know, they sit there, they, you know, talk smack, <laughs> they joke, they connect that way, our women. And they're even women's kalapus, you know? And that's the thing is that, like, you know, we've kind of like moved to all these, like, different countries and live overseas and stuff like that and all those like different ways of connecting with one another are gone mm. because because it costs money to live in these different countries we're constantly out there like you know working for money and yeah. stuff like that and then we just kind of lose focus on like oh I need to call auntie oh I need to call you know it's all gone because we're all tired of uh, working these ridiculous hours for Absolutely, Mm. man. And I could go on and on about this corrupt system (laughs) and the things it entails and how it's like, it it sets us up for a lot of mental health problems. But definitely a show we need to have another day because I could go go for days into that that topic. But we've talked a lot about, I think you've given some, I've learned a lot Mm -hmm. just from hearing you speak, especially with what you said about Faikawa. Um, learning using, you know, that method of bonding and mm. um, socializing is a good way to for men to get together and laugh, joke, and do what they want to do. So, um, you know, we've discussed that a lot of Pacifica youth do find it hard to find a safe space to talk to about their mental health issues. And, you know, Isua, you've shared openly um, with the public that you have had mental health issues and you're currently dealing with them. Um but Get a therapy. <laughs> Get a it therapy. works. Sometimes it's expensive, but. <laughs> but um, with this segment, we wanted to show people, trigger warning, um, that what the reality, what it actually looks like. And I know it's different for everyone, but we wanted to get an insight on your experience, um, what it was like to be in the position to feel like you needed to commit suicide. Or what was your thought process during mm. those attempts? Mm. Okay. Um, um, 
What year is it? 2022? Yes. Mm. What year was the last? 2021, right? We, yeah. We, yeah. Oh my gosh. Sorry, I'm just trying to backtrack like yeah. my time so that I, so, you know, everything just feels like a blur. This whole pandemic just feels like a blur. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, from my own experiences, when you're down in those trenches, it's... You could be seated in a, in, a, in a room filled with your loved ones and you feel completely alone. And that happens to me a lot. Like, you know, I tend to sit in these rooms and I'm like, oh, my cousin's there, my auntie's there, my mom's there, my dad's there, my brother's there. Hmm. I, I don't want to be in that room. I don't want to be on this earth. Um, and just, uh, what is it? So last year, uh, I was seeing someone for a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, romantically. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, we broke up. It was about April. Yes. Uh, yes. Early April. Uh, but we had broken up. We were, yeah, we had broken up like early April. So mid April, like I was down in the dumps and I was like, I'm doing all I can. Okay, I need to um, back at the gym, you know. Like, okay, the school. Like, I'm getting that endorphin rush. This is before I started going to therapy. Mm. Um, but you know, I'm walking, I'm moving, I'm not sitting still. Um, I'm letting myself cry. You know, mm. that's something that goes, especially for guys. Like, you know, like, nah, don't cry. Mm. Crying's for pussies. No, you can cry. Trust me. I've seen my dad cry heaps of times. Uh, I almost cried when I had to ex- explain Inception to him in Tongan. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> and I did it successfully. Anyway, um, what is it? Yeah, and yeah, just giving myself space to cry and like feel my emotions. Um, probably listening to R&B music wasn't helping, but you know, when you're in your feels, mm. yeah. you're in your feels. Um, and so every night... Uh, following my breakup, I was walking my dog, walking my dog, and this is the genius of my dog. One night, I was I was walking my dog, and I was just uh, walking walking him, and I was just in tears for the entire walk. And the good thing is that it's at nighttime, so mm-hmm. no one knows. Yeah, you know, and the entire time, like, yeah, I was just in tears, and then like. We get to the end just before the turn, turn, turnaround point to go home. And trigger warning. Um, I see this tree and I'm holding my, my dog's rope, a very long rope. Mm. And those of you guys who know my dog, he's, just, he, he's a pocket full, filled with energy. Like you, um, like you take that leash off, he runs. Mm. And I was just like, no, nah, this is it. No one loves me. The only person who I thought would love me, like, broke up with me. There's no one here. I feel alone. I'm I'm done. Like, I don't have a job. I, you know, I got nothing to look forward to. And that was honestly where I was in that moment in time. <clears throat> and so, like, yeah, I could unhook my dog. And keep in mind, I've been crying this entire walk. Mm. I unhook my dog and I go, 
go, go, go, you know, just go. And, and I go to, um, you know, and I'm about to go and like, you know, tie the rope. And, um, and my dog won't leave me. He is so annoying. Oh my gosh. Like he will not leave me. So then I'm like, bro, like go, mm. you know, just go. Yeah. Because I'm, yeah, because I'm like, in that moment in time, I'm lonely. Uh, no one's picking up my calls. Nothing. I feel just empty. Like, I don't want to be there. I don't want to be anywhere. Mm. And this little bastard <laughs> won't leave me alone. Mm. And so, like, I'm trying to, like, you know, loop through, which is fun, you know, come to think about it, I'm like, hmm, how was I going to, like, end it all when I'm, like, 300 kilos and just, like, <laughs> you know, like... I, I walk past the street whenever I go for a walk and I'm like, man, going crazy. Mm. But yeah, like my dog wouldn't leave me alone. And so like for about, you know, two minutes of me trying to convince him to run away, like, oh, look, who was it? Like I'm saying all of his trigger words, who was it? Go high. Like, look there, go to dad, go to this, go to that. Two minutes of playing time turned into five minutes, turned into 10 turn into, I, you know, turn into 15, turn into like, I'm tired of playing with a dog. Let's go home. Mm. My dog saved my life. Mm. And, you know, it's, it's funny how you, like, you go back and you're like, it's little things that like, you know, that could, you know, that stopped me, you know, that, that got me sitting here in the seat because if these little things didn't happen man I didn't think I'd live to 28 oh well I'm 29 <laughs> hmm. you know like you know one of the other times I tried to like you know commit was uh, one night when I was just inebriated I was drunk obviously and we all know that uh, drinking plays a big part in a lot of completions because mm. that inhibition's gone. And so, yeah, one night I was just drunk, lonely, Simon Street overpass. And then I was like, well, there's no one here to hang out with. Oh, that looks nice. Like, you know, looking down, you're like, oh, that's such a pretty view. I was like, what if I just, mm. you know? Because that thought is like constant, was constantly in my head. Um, yeah, and I couldn't get my leg over the ledge. <laughs> Which is funny. I can laugh at it now, but I didn't go laugh at it at the time. Um, you know, and I was like, oh, and I ended up getting like taken in by the cops and stuff. And like, you know, because they're like, this guy is obviously trying to like, you know, come in and stuff. And, you know, it's just little things like that that you would have noticed that you'd, like, sit back, like, you know, after you've kind of processed it on your life. Yeah. That's crazy. Like, I've heard stories of, like, uh, I don't know who it was, but I remember hearing someone say, man, Sofia saved my life. Laughing mm -hmm. someone's. Mm -hmm. You know, they were going to go into the garage and 
had the rep ready to go and then someone in the other room was listening to, was watching, you know, off work or whichever special it was. And then like, you know, hearing all that, they forgot. Wow. Mm, you know, like it's little things that you mm. would not know. Yeah, and wouldn't expect as well. Yeah. So if you mm. see my dog out there in the streets, <laughs> tell him to come back home <laughs> and that he saved my life on more than one occasion. <laughs> but yeah, in that moment in time, it's just despair, emptiness, mm. darkness. And man, I'm, I'm grateful to be here and... Um, yeah, thank you for letting me talk for ages again. Yeah. <laughs> I hope I answered your question. <laughs> you definitely, no, nah, nah, you did. Yeah. You definitely did answer our question. And um, before I wrap up, did you guys have anything to say? No. Or ask? Did you guys want to ask anything? No, I'm very grateful that you're here. Yeah. yeah. And blessing us with your story and, mm. and your presence. Yeah, <laughs> this is our shocked yeah. um, faces. I don't yeah. know if the camera caught, but I, I think just. Um, you know, I'm a lot older than you and I have children and it's like, I want to say thank you because, you know, I think it is very, very, very important that our Pacifica communities, our mums, mm. um, everyone just takes a moment and a breather to really, really um, share, like just open up about it because, you know, um, just hearing that, you know, it takes a lot of courage to to share. And we often joke about it. And I think I went through my experience. And to have someone like yourself share, it will help. And it will save so many lives. You have no idea. I think my generation, we never shared. We bottled it up. And you'll find that now issues and problems surface and um, the results is our children are now going to be affected by it. So I think it's really important. I want to just say thank you so much for sharing. So so I'm a little bit emotional about it, but it's. I just wanted to share. I, I don't think I can, my emotion, I can hide my emotion about how truly grateful I am that you have had the courage to speak out and to potentially save someone's life today. So thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Don't give me too much credit. <laughs> um, nah, thank you. Thank you for having me. And yeah, nah, definitely. That's something that needs to be talked about. Because um, if we're not going to talk about it, yeah. who is? Who's yeah. going to save the lives of our young one? Yeah. Unless we break all of these, like, you know, Generational traumas. There you go. <laughs> Another buzzword. <laughs> buzzword for you guys. Man. Yeah. Um, now, nah, yeah, thank you for letting me, you know, come on here and, like, just share my experiences. And, you know, hopefully if you're watching or listening to this, like, hopefully you guys take something away from this and check in on your friends, mm. even if it's just hello. And I'm terrible at doing that, but I'm going to do that after my meeting in the afternoon. <laughs> Hurrah. <laughs> but yeah. Thanks, guys. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Blue Wave Ngalumoana. 
we are focused on providing digital solutions for our Pacific people. With the creative team that incorporates Pacifica values and cultures, there are no limitations. We offer a variety of digital media solutions that cater to Pacific peoples. With over 10 years experience in graphic design and photography, we take pride in creating art with a Pacific focus. We also specialize in filming, editing and live streaming. A digital media company serving our Basifika families, Basifika businesses and Basifika communities. Blue Wave Ngalumuana. Live and breathe Pacific. Welcome back to our Pacific Good Morning Show. We are here with EpesGirl.com, blogger and writer and graduate applied psychology student, Anasha Eponessa. How are you? Hi, I'm good. <laughs> so good to have you on our show. Thanks and for having so thankful me. to have you here to share your experience because um, I feel like it's very important, especially in our Pacifica community, to normalize these kind of conversations. Mm. So um, Anasha is a victim to narcissistic abuse, and I'm just going to give her a platform and a chance to just explain a bit of what she's been through. Cool. Mm. Um, thanks so much for having me. Uh, so my name is Anisha Epinesa. Um, I'm a recent blogger and writer and um, I'm also a psychology student and I am Samoan, um, Tokelauan and Kiribati and Tuvaluan. Um, so just a bit of fruit salad. <laughs> um, but mainly Samoan is what I grew up as. Mm. Um so my experience with narcissistic abuse actually came about um, when I was younger. Um, I had gotten into a relationship with my first boyfriend who then became my husband and I was with him for about 18 years and married for almost 12 years. Um, and while I was in the relationship, I wouldn't have understood any of the terms to do with narcissistic abuse. Mm. It was once I got out of the relationship and through a lot of counselling and a lot of mentoring um, and just going through the process of understanding what I had been a part of for so long um, that I came to realise Wow, so yep. this is what this looks like mm. and this mm. is what narcissistic abuse is. Um, so, yeah, over the last couple of years, it's definitely been a deep dive into the rabbit hole of what narcissism – oh, sorry, what narcissism is, but then what narcissistic abuse is, mm. what narcissistic personality disorder is, um, a whole lot of stuff. So my ex had a lot of um, mental health issues and also had um, a, 
like almost a multiple personality disorder. So there was a lot of that involved in why I stayed so long. On top of that, I'm a Christian. I was raised in a Christian household. Um, I went to a traditional Samoan church for a lot of my formative years. So when you get married, it's almost like once you marry, you're married for life and Mm. you don't give up on that. So there was this thing in me that was like, oh, I have to stay married to this person even though they do all this crap to me. Mm. Um, Unfortunately, when it comes to narcissistic abuse, a lot of the time it can also look like domestic violence abuse. Mm. Um, So I've been through everything at the hands of this person, physical, sexual, emotional, spiritual, financial abuse, like Mm. all of it. Um, And under this spectrum of narcissism you have covert and overt narcissists and my ex was a covert narcissist so Mm. it's the really insidious one because you actually don't recognize it when you meet them as people you're just like oh they're really cool they're really humble like they're so unassuming they're not um they seem harmless right except Behind closed doors, it's a totally different story. Mm. Um, Behind closed doors, it's always about the power and control dynamic, um, how they can get you to be their narcissistic supply. So pretty much anything that bolsters them and makes them feel better. Um, The thing about narcissists is that it actually comes from a place of deep insecurity and deep wounding. So it tends to start in your formative years. um, And narcissists in general are like, like we all, as the human race, we all have narcissistic traits. Mm. But when it comes to this in particular, um, when you have narcissistic personality disorder or you're a narcissist in your nature, it's almost like you're a sociopath Um, and you don't function the same way as other people do. So you can't feel things like empathy Mm. or um, true emotions because it's almost like they're dulled down. So going through this, like I'd met this person when I was 11. So, and this person being my best friend, like I didn't ever think that he could ever hurt me or be cruel or be mean. Um, So by the time I was 15 and our relationship had turned romantic, um, it then became this thing of me always trying to make him happy. And, And the thing is, like, my family at that time were just like, what are you doing? Why, like... My parents absolutely did not agree with me being with this person, but they were very much um, trying to do it in a way where I was like, you're still too young. We know you're in seventh form right now, but you actually still have a lot of life to live. You've got so many opportunities ahead of you. Don't get into something so quickly. But because he was my best friend, it was like, no, I want to be with this person forever. Did the criticism that you received from your family kind of like make you want to be with him more at that time? Um, 
Yeah, in, mm. in, in the sense that I felt like he was the only one who understood me. So I've always been a bit of a nerd, uh, mm. precocious as a kid. Um, I wasn't your typical Samoan girl. Yeah. Um, I talked like a mini adult from when I was little. <laughs> so, And by the time I was in seventh form, I was 15. So I was two grades ahead and he mm. was my peer level for school, but I was still two years younger than everyone else. Right. Um, so, it, and on top of that, I was quite outspoken <laughs> when I was younger. It's so funny how age matures you and just right. shuts you up. Yeah. Because <laughs> life happens. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so at the time, like guys just wouldn't talk to me at all, probably because they were either like, she's so weird or intimidating. Mm. Um, whereas this particular person didn't care about any of that. He was just my bestie who... I could laugh with, we could hang out, we could talk about our crushes, like stuff like that, like normal teenage growing up stuff. Um, but when m- my parents in particular were like, we know he's your friend, but you shouldn't be getting into relationships, you're not allowed to date right now, it just became like, oh my gosh, you guys don't know me. Yeah, <laughs> yep, yep. And, you know, when we grow up in our traditional Salmon homes or with traditional cultural aspects, but we live in a Western world where we're taught to think for ourselves and um, and we veer more towards, I guess, um, European or Western um, cultural constructs. It, yeah, it, it definitely clashed, but um, it just, I guess, made me more sneaky. Mm, <laughs> like mm. It was like, well, you guys don't know me the way he does yep. and... I'm just going to stay with him. And bearing in mind, the whole time we were together, he was cheating on me. Mm. And even when I knew he had cheated on me, like he'd say things like, those people don't mean anything. It's you I come back to at the end of the day. And you're my forever person. And words were so important to me that I was like, okay, well, maybe you're not trustworthy in terms of being like faithful, Mm. but you are my forever person. So... It just continued to like, I don't know, I just I just stayed in it because he was my best friend and yep. he knew how to make me laugh. Making someone laugh is overrated, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, um, they need to do other stuff yeah. other than just make you laugh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think from that perspective, also I had a childhood history of being um sexually abused and because of that it actually makes you um almost like you're easily susceptible to narcissists Mm. because because of what happens to you as a child in your formative years it means that when you see certain things as you're older, you're almost desensitized to it because you're like, oh, well, your perception of love and healthy love and healthy relationships is already warped. Mm. So, you know, for me, it was like, this is a relationship where I can see lasting for all my life. So even if he does cheat or even if he does do stupid stuff, this is my life person, so I just have to help him throw it. Um, and pretty much from the age of 15 and until I broke up with this person, I was living in survival mode. <laughs> like, mm. 
It was just like every single year I can name something stupid he did, whether it was cheating on me with someone in church while we were youth leaders mm. and he hooked up with someone at church or um, or having to resign from his job because he hooked up with one of his students when he was a youth worker, like oh, this God. whole thing of... Um, of just him being in a mess and me having to like look out and try to clean it up and do it without my family knowing because I never ever wanted my family to see him as bad for me and I always just wanted to put him in the best light so I would hide so much from my family because for me, I was like, no, they can't see this side to him. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, my dad's going to be like, dump him or get away from him. And so, yeah, for a long time, (laughs) my family had no idea the depth and level of abuse I was going through with this person. Mm. Because the thing with narcissists, and especially covert narcissists, which is the type of person I dealt with, um, they hide a lot of stuff Mm. and they make you feel like having the bare minimum is hard work. And Mm. so like just something like not cheating on your spouse or something like, Mm. you know, being kind to your spouse or saying hi or I love you or Mm. like everything was a battle. Like this person would hold my hand in public for two minutes and then let go of my hand. Like that was the the only type of affection I was ever really shown. And yet to everyone else, it was like, oh, he really like – loves and appreciates his wife and stuff mm. like that. And But behind closed doors, like, it was a battle to get anything, like any sort of um, affection or kindness um, because he was just cruel all the time. Like, he'd just shut down or he'd be going through something mentally and it'd get to the point where he'd be like, I can't handle anything. I can't handle anything. And so I said, okay, well, I'll take off all my expectations of you, of being a husband, of being a friend, and let's just try and get you into a better space. And the thing is with narcissists is it's not all bad. Like, it's why you stay for so long because they're not cruel or mean the whole time. Mm, Like, mm. you get glimpses of what could be beautiful. And Mm. so you continually fight to get back to that stage. Yet, if you think about it, like, that being the bare minimum means it shouldn't be a fight. But that's what it was. My whole relationship was trying to get him out of messes, trying to help him... Um, if he did stupid stuff, get him into counseling, get him into seeing a psychologist, a psychiatrist, get him on meds, get him diagnosed. Like it was a continual battle of Mm. doing this stuff on top of me having to deal with my own life and my own stuff I was going through. So it got to the point where like I would have to handle everything financially. He just, I, I would say, hey, you've got bills coming up. We've got bills. You've got this coming up. And he would like spend like crazy on mm. clothes, on gifts, on food. And it would be like, we earn well. Why are we still living yeah. paycheck to paycheck? This mm. doesn't make any sense. But he just couldn't stop like mm. any of that. And 
it just got to a point, like, because I actually hate shopping. Mm. <laughs> I hate shopping for clothes. Yeah, yeah. All of it. Like, if I can find something I like, I will get three pairs of it so I don't have to keep going. So mm. it may look like I wear the same thing every day. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> um, but I just have multiples of the things I like, whereas he would want new things all the time. And I remember us having this one massive argument um, while I was in Hawaii and I'd come back and it had been a really bad time for me. But then like a month later when things were starting to get back up, he was just like, oh, so do you still have my gifts from Hawaii? And I was like, well, I did buy them for you. Of course I have them. And he goes, oh, I just wasn't sure because you were so mad and I thought you might have given them away. But Mm. just that that was the focus. Like, did you bring me my stuff? Like, Mm. where is it? Like, yeah, so Mm. stuff like that. Um, And I think the harder thing for me with being with someone like that is, I could have walked away and been okay with it all. Um, but, and we used to be dance leaders in our community, so in the street dance co- community. But walking away and then having this onslaught of new information where he had predatory natures and stuff like that, like even that ties into narcissism. Um, and just the insidiousness of the kind of behaviours mm. that they show um, and hide. Like, mm. to be honest, when I got out of things, it got to the point where I was like, oh, okay, so was I was I for lack of a word your beard of respectabil- respectability? Like, did you hide behind me to make yourself look better? And, like, because... You know, it, it just frustrates me that this whole time I didn't, I thought I knew everything and then there's still another wave of things that I had to go through and understand and process. And I'm doing all this work on me to get better. Mm. But the other side to it is I, like I, I've had to do this. Yeah. Like it's not like the other person is taking any responsibility and this is the thing they think they're victims like they actually think that you're the bad guy and they don't take any ownership at all for what they do so they're genuinely in the belief that they are yeah they genuinely believe that everything you do to them is because you're a bad person they're a victim and it doesn't matter what they've done Like, even if it's the worst thing in the world, whether they've gone and cheated on you, whether they've hit you, whether they've abused you, for them it was like, no, none of that happened. None of that was real. What actually happened is your response. Mm. So they get you to this point where you break and you explode and then they turn it around and be like, see, you're abusive you're you're the one who's mean and cruel and it's right. like wait i just i just want to be treated with like some decency. common like yeah. common respect like mm. just basic human rights yeah. of being treated like a person um so yeah it was <laughs> it was harrowing to say the least yeah um but honestly i 
walking out of it and being in the space I am now where I can talk about it and not feel burdened by it and realize that I actually want other women to know that their journeys are important Mm. and that there is so much more that life has to offer than being stuck with these people who take you for granted and use you because they might not actually want to be with you. They just might know you're a good person. Yeah. And they just want all of that goodness and they want to bleed you dry empathetically, Do emotionally. Do they know they want to bleed you dry? Or yes. Because you said- so, so in terms of narcissistic supply, it's people who will give them, because like I said, they don't mm. have normal empathy. The way, like you see, you know, you see someone hurt or wounded. Mm. Like your first initial reaction should be, I should go help. Yeah. They're desensitized to that stuff. So mm. for them, there's almost another level of needing to be cared for where it's wholly about them. So you wanting to help them, you saying, no, you are worth it. You are, you know, I've got multiple messages and texts from my ex where he would just explode at me. Um, because I would just question a little thing like, why are you spending money like this? Mm. Or was that really wise for you to be drinking when you're on meds? Like stuff like that. And he'd explode at me and just be like, if you, (laughs) and Mm. like just cussing me out. And then a couple of hours later, after I've been eviscerated emotionally and just seen all these words of death thrown at me, a couple of hours later, he'd just be like, oh, I'm so sorry, mm. Baba. Like, I I know, like, I'm always like this. I'm up and down. And and that's what you fall for. You yeah. fall for the, okay, he knows he did wrong. Like, okay, let's try again. Mm. And it's always just <coughs> enough to keep you going. Right, right. Um, And as women, like, we're naturally, we're nurturers. So, mm. you know, you want to, like, look after people who you feel have been entrusted into your journey, into your life. And, you know, you think you're signing up for a partnership, but really it's like you're being with a narcissist and even a covert one. It's like you've signed up for a life of being um, everything, like Mm. a mom, a wife, a, a bestie, like all of it, mm. but it's on steroids yeah. and it drains you. It drains the life out of you, literally. Mm. Like I wear, like when people meet me and hear my story, they're like, oh, you're so strong or, oh, you've been through a lot. So proud of you. And that's great to hear, but it's my body that wears the trauma. Right. So like I'm still processing and I'm still walking this out and even now, it's tough. I have days where it's really hard where I'm like, did I actually go through that? Did I spend 18 years of my life mm. wasted with a person who had absolutely no intention of ever being better, of ever wanting to get better, mm. of just continually running from their stuff as opposed to healing dealing and dealing with it? Um, and it just... Sometimes I'm baffled at myself because I'm not dumb. Like, yeah. you know, no, you're I'm, definitely yeah, not. Like, <laughs> you're like the biggest bookworm <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, I, 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 I like to study. I like learning. Mm. Um, and yet, 
it's really hard because it's like, how did I get so sucked in? Mm. And even my counsellor, who is absolutely amazing, um, she said this is, unfortunately, it's quite common for girls or for young people, even girls and guys. I'm not just speaking for females, like, because... Girls can be horrid narcissists. <laughs> mm. um, but, yeah, it, even my counsellor says that um, the things that happened and the way I continue to stay, a lot of it is a byproduct of being abused so young in my formative right. years. Mm. And it did lead to a lot of, um, I guess, just accepting certain behaviors which aren't normal not to mention I don't actually know what a healthy romantic relationship looks like because I this was my first boyfriend who became my husband and it's never ever like I've never been with anyone else so so it's not like I can have any comparisons of what potentially was good or not because this is all I've known so getting out of it and having to learn and realize wow are you serious Mm. like this is so and even just how I would talk about it so normally like because for me I'm it's almost like I'm detached from it like I'm like well this is my life Mm. so this is the bed I chose so I've just got to lay in it kind of thing, you know. And I love that about you. I love the fact that you've dealt with the consequences mm. and you've worked to make it better yeah. instead of avoiding it. And it's so hard to, like, find people who are willing to be accountable and accept that, you know, regardless of the things that we deal, we still have to be accountable for the attitudes or how we contributed to it. Yeah. And you're willing to, like, take that on fully. And I really, really appreciate that about you. Thanks. Um, it's that's that's the strength I see in you, which is which is I super think awesome. Self awareness mm. in the society we live in isn't really common because um, people don't want to own their crap; like mm. they just don't. And the thing is, if you want to grow, it takes humility and being teachable. Yeah. So I would hope that if I were to ever get into another relationship again, that it would be from a place of having healed and not visiting my past on this new person, Mm. but it would be from a place of wanting wholeness and from wanting a partner, not the same thing. I don't want to attract the same kind of thing. Exactly. And I can't do that if I'm not willing to learn and grow from what has happened. Mm. So I think that's a huge thing, um, that we lack in today's society. I mean, social media in and of itself is narcissistic. Absolutely. As human beings, we all have narcissistic traits, like I said before, but, you know, having covert narcissists who you can recognize them because they're grandiose, they're like grandiose, grandiose, um, but they're big and they're out there and they think they're the main character in everyone's story and they just seem larger than life. But also, you know, they're they're kind of charismatic, but they're bots a lot of the time. So you can recognize those ones a mile away and you're like, oh, I'm going to stay away from you. Right. But when it comes to covert narcissists, because they seem humble and because they seem harmless – it's actually really subtle in how they get into your life and 
manage to hook you in and you stay in these relationships with these toxic people um, because, one, you probably have toxic traits yourself (laughs) Mm, mm. that you're not willing to own and, two, you feel a responsibility to continually help and this codependency on these people. Codependency. um, It's another buzzword. Yeah. So, (laughs) I mean, when you're dependent on someone – it's almost like this cycle, like this never-ending circle of going round and round, and you're going round and round in a space of, okay, you did something bad. I'm going to rescue you. I'm going to fix it. No, I'm not a rescue. I have to stop. But, oh, I feel sorry for you. Okay, mm. I've got to rescue you. I've got to fix this. Round and, round. and you just mm. go round and round. And without realizing it, you've become dependent on the cycle because it's familiar. And that's what codependency is. But like you said, it's a buzzword. All of a sudden, everyone's a narcissist. Everyone's, everyone's codependent. Exactly. But if you're not actually understanding what these terms are and understanding the depth behind the word, then it like you said, it's just a buzzword and everyone uses this and everyone explains such and such as this, yep. whereas words are powerful. Like mm. you actually have to be careful with what you speak into existence. Like it's biblical. And Absolutely. Being a Christian, like I'm just like, I'm very careful with my words because I don't want to say something that's going to harm someone unnecessarily. Yeah. But I also want to be able to call out truth, but do it graciously and with love. Mm. So while it, this is my story and it, it's been hard, it's just a chapter in my story that I'm closing. Like I refuse to be defined by someone else's actions. I refuse to be defined by that particular stage of my life. Was it long? Yes. Was it long-suffering? Also, yes. <laughs> um, am no. I glad that I get to move out? Hell yes. Yeah. Like, I'm honestly so proud of you. But there are two things I really wanted to highlight while okay. you were explaining your story. Um, the first one was the decision to do the right thing. Mm. Um, I feel like a lot of people, you know, we're living in such a system that is that rips people's spirits apart. Mm. And we all, like, everyone in a different way experiences trauma yeah. at some stage in their life. Um, if it's earlier, it's a lot harder to recover from. But um, because a lot of people experience um, trauma, some people don't actually realize till, like, later, later stages in, in their life that they're uh, conducting themselves or... Um, acting out of their trauma. Mm. So um, I thought one important thing to highlight was the fact that you made, regardless of the length of the um, how long you were in that relationship for, mm. before going into another relationship and like, you know, trying to avoid the healing that needed to happen mm. from your previous, from your ex, you actually took some time to yourself. Um, you decided to get your health right. Seeing your health journey um, in the group chats that, and I say, sorry, I don't go on so much because I'm, I'm not really good with getting the takeaways away. <laughs> but um, I've seen your journey, like the fact that you're, you're studying psychology to understand different parts. Um, you've taken an interest in and you're so empowering to other women who are going through the same thing. Like, it's okay. Yeah. I think that's super important. The second thing was the buzzwords. Mm. We see it like, and like you said, social media is narcissistic in itself because we scroll and then we have that confirmation bias by the content that we watch that is from the algorithm of our own 
thumbs and yeah. and fingers. And I'm guilty of it. I see something and I'm like, oh yeah, so that's what that means. Mm-hmm. So then at the end of the day, we're calling all these people, this person's a narcissist, when we don't actually know the true meaning of what it actually truly means. Exactly. And I'm a huge believer in what you said as well. Like, be careful of the words you use. Mm-hmm. Everything you say can manifest, like yeah. can come to, to life. So um, negative self-talk is very mm-hmm. important to stay away from. Okay. Um, but it's hard to when you're going through like something that's, you know, that's really hard to deal with. Yeah. And like, um, what would you say in response to that? It's like, how could we, I guess, understand these terms, these psychological terms better um, in a stage where information is so abundant yeah. um, and can be just spread by any, basically Tom, Dick or Harry? <laughs> I think, yeah. I mean, I'm... Being tertiary educated, you naturally learn to research. Mm. Um, But even since childhood, I've been someone who likes to learn. So for me, I don't take it as gospel truth based on what I see online. Like Mm. I'll actually deep dive Mm. and not deep dive into Wikipedia or or CNN or something like that. I deep dive into people who actually – have experience with what they've said. Mm. Um, I look up dictionary words to yeah. get the real meanings of what mm. they mean. I mean, a lot of stuff we use today in urban colloquialism, slang words, like we've effectively butchered the English language, yeah. which is already hard enough to speak as it is. Mm. Um, but I guess for me it's – you have to actually be willing to be educated by researching stuff for yourself. Mm. And if you're not willing to put in the effort, you are going to be taken in by whatever you see. Mm. Um, and that's the thing. If you can if you can hook someone on social media and just get them to follow or to share a post and make it seem like, oh, my gosh, this person knows what they're saying, but you haven't actually taken the time to look into it. Mm. This is how things go viral but lack any sort of um, truth behind it. So I think for me it's you actually have to be willing to learn. Mm. And a lot of people, life is hard enough as it is. They don't want to take that extra time to know better and, you know, I have a really strong support system. Mm. Um, I have really good friends, a great family. Um, you know, it's it's not easy because I'm also someone who seeks counselling, seeks psychological help, who wants to understand better. But that sort of help isn't easily found in our communities. Absolutely. That's it's something I totally people. agree with, yeah. It's hard for people to even, like, we come from a proud culture. Mm. Like, Samoans uh We're seeing it now with the tall Samoa. Absolutely. <laughs> like, look, but that's a good part of our culture. Yeah. Like, that's all right to be proud like that. But the pride I'm talking about is where we're like, oh, just go rob some dirt in it and get up. Like, yeah. you know, it's like take a hard pill, harden mm. up. And I'm like, there's there's merit to that, absolutely, because there are some things where you actually just have to suck it up, buttercup, because 
uh, we live in a world that is unfair. No one said it was going to be fair. Mm. But the other side to that is you actually have to be able to unravel these things that create these behaviors from trauma that you don't realize you're doing. And without self-awareness, you're going to continually perpetuate the cycles over and over again, which means you're going to continually do the same thing because you're not aware you're making bad choices. You're not aware that you're um, hindering yourself from growth. And so you just do the same thing over and over again. And it's not it's not helpful to you in the long run. Mm. But at the end of the day, what it comes down to is, are you willing to actually take a hard look at yourself and look in the mirror and be like, okay, what's good in my life? What's bad? And from the bad things, what do I need to change? Mm. Because that's what it comes down to. Like, are you yeah. actually willing to change? Or is this just a good thing that you heard and yeah. that was nice and that's their story or I can relate, but I'm not going to push through. And that's not taking away from anyone's hardship. Life is hard. Um, Our stories are relative to our own journeys. Um, Mm. And my story is different from someone else's. We may have similarities, but it doesn't take away from the fact that they're individual. No one else has walked in my shoes. No one else will ever walk in my shoes because they're my shoes. And just just on that, mm. um, I just wanted to ask you one last question. Sure. What has been the hardest part of your recovery? The anger. Mm. The anger at feeling cheated, at feeling betrayed, um, at the amount of people that were hurt. Mm. Um, not. I can handle a lot of stuff done to me. But if you go for my family, Mm. if you go for my closest friends, and if you're a predator, Mm. that is going to make me mad. And, um, yeah, it's the anger. It's letting go of the anger because I was so angry for so long. And, you know, um, today is actually – Um, two years of separation so I can finally file for divorce Mm. but for so long I was angry Mm. Uh, like I just there was so much rage in me at just how unfair it was that this person could denigrate my character could lie about me Mm. and could actually legitimately think that their view of the world was right. Mm. And that for me was beyond frustrating um, because I was like, no ownership, no ownership of the fact that you hurt so many people, no ownership of the fact that you've preyed on so many like vulnerable women, Mm. no ownership of the fact that you did this while married to me. Like, Mm. so I was angry. That was the hardest thing. But my dad, who's a Fife (laughs) owl, reminded me that we're taught to forgive. Yeah. That's what it says in the Bible. And forgiveness isn't about the other person. Mm. It's about letting go so you stop strangling yourself. Absolutely. And that's what I had to do. And it just got to the point where my dad said, you just have to pray. 
pray for him. Mm. And, you know, for me, I was like, Dad, be on my side. <laughs> be angry with me, okay? Yeah, yeah. Um, but he was like, no, he's mm. already stolen enough from you. Let it yeah. go, forgive, so you can move on and actually give to everyone who needs the good from you. Mm. Um, and I think, from that perspective, I was like, okay. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's what I did. I had to like really release the anger to the point where now I can talk about it without Absolutely. being annoyed, mm. being frustrated. And um, honestly, thank you so much for sharing your experience with us. Um, I'm always nervous when it comes to these kind of topics because I just feel like it's so deep. It's such a deep yeah. issue to talk about. But thank you so much for sharing oh, um, your experience. This will definitely not be the last time you're coming on the show. <laughs> um, I love these discussions, especially around mental health yeah. and, you know, the buzzwords that totally. everyone's using on social media. And I think now there needs to be quality content to mm. put um, emphasis on how important these words actually are. Yeah, but also yeah. quality mm. content by people, by our, our people, mm. like by people like us for our people. I don't want to be seeing any more Western Balangi people talk about my people anymore. Yeah. We're educated enough. We know enough to mm. actually be in these spaces and educate our own people. And yeah. I'm like, I'm Samoan. I don't need someone who's Balangi or someone else who's from another space or another culture telling me how to deal with my stuff when you have no idea the cultural dynamics, yes. the Western dynamics, mm. and even the spiritual dynamics. Like we come from a very spiritual culture being Samoan. Like we're very traditional, but we also believe in God. Like that's the foundation of who we are. Mm. So for me, I'm just like, um, yeah, let's talk about this stuff and talk about it and remind people that, hey, this stuff happens to us too and we don't need to keep it hidden. Mm. So, yeah, I've got quite a few cool blogs coming out yes. about this stuff. So We, we will be linking yeah. um, um, the blog to this episode. So feel free to check that blog. Um, for anyone who may be going through a similar situation or know someone, yeah. really good read. <clears throat> um, Shah's like one of the biggest <laughs> bookworms that I know her writing is awesome. A lot of descriptive words from all those fantasy books. She's <laughs> I'm kidding. For I'll, real, cut that for real. I'll cut that out. But honestly, thank you so much from the bottom of my You're heart, so Shaf, for coming on the show. Um, we appreciate you sharing your story. Thanks. And uh, till next time. Yeah. yeah. Bye. <laughs>